0: Hi, I'm Luke Seven and I took a left at the valley.
1: I know we shouldn't have to scream that we're atheists, you know. We don't have non-astrologers and all that. But
2: with the religious people
1: taking over the world, I mean, we can either speak up or be pushed into a corner. I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen. I call it how I see it. I say it's ignorance, and you just call it faith and unsubstantial.
3: Uh, coming at you from secret studio in bc this is left of the valley my name is kevin and i didn't say it was your fault i just said i was blaming you (laughs) joining me as usual is a team diplomatic enough to tell you to go to hell in such a way that you look forward to it
4: we're all slytherins here
3: She thinks we don't need gun control, we need idiot control, Nancy. Oh, man,
5: oh, yeah. thumbs up on support, that one. Support, 100%
6: support ah. Nancy for president. <laughs>
5: yeah, but that, what do I do if I'm the idiot in the movie? <laughs> Wait a minute.
6: <laughs> he says
3: money doesn't buy happiness, but crying is better with Dom Perignon, Scott. Oh,
5: yes, yes,
6: definitely.
4: Also, money can buy you puppies.
6: <laughs> oh.
4: And puppies are the embodiment of happiness. (laughs)
3: She says to never hit a person with glasses You as a baseball bat instead (laughs) Christina
4: (laughs) Especially if it has nails in it
2: Uh,
6: (laughs) I I have a trunk I can put the bodies (laughs) in Yes, Ah, yes.
4: two of them Yes We can have two bodies
3: (laughs) And she knows that the trick to not cry with onions Is to not form an emotional bond with them (laughs) 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 Christina
7: I really need to start working on that one. Yeah, Kirsten.
3: <laughs> and she wrote a song about a tortilla. Actually, it's more of a rap. Annette.
2: <laughs> oh. yeah. Lay down a beat for
3: Annette. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> Guys, welcome back. Today we're going to have a very, very interesting show because we're going to be talking to the fantastic, the fabulous Nate Phelps. Oh,
4: I'm wow.
2: really looking forward Absolutely to, to, looking to forward that forward to interview. Absolutely looking
3: Man extraordinary he is.
4: Absolutely. But
3: first, let's do a bit of chit-chat because, God, we got lots to cover this
4: one. <laughs> really? I think nothing happened this oh, week.
3: Oh, I At wish. All. I almost wish. <laughs> uh, did you guys hear that uh, Manson is dead? Woo-hoo! Yes,
4: yes. Yeah. finally.
3: At the age of 83, the cult leader that killed seven, well, he didn't kill himself, but because of his, him and his cult, killed seven people in 1969. Yeah. Nancy, why didn't you stop them?
5: Yeah, Nancy. (laughs) I would have stopped them if I could.
3: Well, she did capture him, by the way. Yes, right. <laughs> <laughs> did you guys hear that uh, so, some finches on the Galapagos Islands are actually becoming a new species? Yes. yes. I, I did read about that. Yeah, they've been observed since 1981 when they noticed the arrival of a male of a large cactus finch that's not usually on the island. And he found a local medium ground finch uh, female to mate with. Now apparently there's about 30 plus individuals and they start to describe it as a new species because no interbreeding and they're different enough to be uh, called a new species. That's
4: so cool. Oh, but that I thought evolution cool. wasn't real, guys. No,
3: I'm, no, no, sorry, God did it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, you know how the uh, the creationists are gonna react to that. And say, well, yeah, but it's still a bird. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah.
4: Give it a few million years, yeah, and it exactly. might not be. <laughs>
3: exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's pretty impressive. Since 1981, that's mm-hmm. a very short span. Did you guys hear that? Uh, apparently, 300 theologians signed the, what they call the Boston Declaration condemning the abuse of Christianity by the U.S. conservatives and the Republicans.
5: I saw that, and I thought, good move, yeah. you guys. Mm-hmm. Really good move. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Apparently some white Republican evangelism is in crisis going to these people, and it's a crisis of their own making. That kind of gives me hope. You know, They're actually yeah. trying to say, you know, we need to go back to Jesus and our faith, even though their faith is bullshit. But still, <laughs> at least their message is
6: positive. Yeah. Um, I hold, I, I, I'm, I'm going to reserve... Don't. Any any comment on that? Well,
5: <laughs> actually, before I, that was in, in the news, I've heard a number—a very small number for sure—but a number of um, Christian ministers condemned the evangelical movement that is so prominent in the U.S. And I think what spurred a lot of this is Roy Moore and the, the brand of evangelicalism he has in, in Alabama and how people are sticking with him regardless of the allegations. Yeah. Of yeah. Yeah. Everybody grab your buckets. Yeah. yeah, and it's a matter of how can you be a person of faith and yet say that this is perfectly okay, yeah, you exactly. know, and, and politically okay, and in the church it's okay. So I think that has perhaps started a movement and- you know, to at least – Uh, make people much more aware that there's Christianity and then there's a corruption of Christianity and that certainly falls in the corruption pile.
3: I've got plenty of things against Christianity but probably the the worst thing I have is the hypocrisy of it. The hypocrisy of its adherence, right? And if these people are actually going to bring people more into what should be Christianity at at its base, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that, you know. If we can't be the religion now, we will later but that's, that's another thing. Uh, did you guys hear that the right here in Canada, the education minister Rob Fleming, said of uh, Barry Newfeld? Remember Barry Newfeld, that, that guy in Chilliwack, the uh,
4: yes, yep, who
3: basically condemned and uh, attacked the LGBT mm-hmm. community because of the uh, Soji uh, <coughs> cur- curriculum. There, he basically uh, said that Newfeld's behavior was shameful and unacceptable.
5: Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth?
4: Yay.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the administration came out and, and denied that. Neufeld, however, in the meantime, spoke at what they call the Culture Guard. This is a, a group. It was an event Tuesday, last Tuesday, and the Culture Guard apparently it's one of those hate groups, essentially, and uh, they try to defend, quote, the natural family. So, they're, they're,
4: so they're, have, we go have your concubines and your slaves <laughs>
3: exactly, and you can trade them for a geothermal check. What? Is a natural. Yeah, family? Have, yeah,
7: yeah, What is the definition of a natural it, family?
3: They say natural family because you can't see traditional anymore because traditional is you know it's kind of been debunked. Out, out and people know something. So natural family for them is one man, one woman, and that's it.
5: Uh, it'll be interesting. I don't know when he's up for re-election, but I think it'll really be interesting. Is he up next year? Yeah. It'll be really interesting to see what happens. You know, is he going to be the Roy Moore of, of oh. Chilliwack, or is, are they going to kick him out in favor of the, you the know, thing common is, sense?
4: If it was Abbotsford, he might get re-elected.
3: Chilliwack's has a good chance, too. The yeah. mayor of Chilliwack is actually a yeah. creationist.
4: Oh, really? But the thing yes. is, d- did he run on the platform of creationism? <laughs> no, probably not. See, the the I forget the man's name that we're talking about. Barry Newfeld Neufeld. Barry isn't he's working for the school, and like the, the program he is talking against is part of the school, so it's a little more connected to what he's what his actual job is.
3: Like most elections, it will really depend because his conservative base will come out and support him. Yeah, even if it's just to, 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 to be out of spite. Yeah. Uh, if if the progressive don't come out then he probably will be mm-hmm. reelected
4: and the it's thing really is there's there's a large community in bc of like lgbt yeah. and like non mainstream i guess like traditional like people natural yeah natural people for? we aren't we're supernatural guys
3: <laughs>
5: i'll go with that yeah also it's, i think it's going to depend too on who else is running in the race if you have someone who is you know ultra ultra liberal and if you have a trans person running and so forth i i don't know how it would work but i think if for that community, if they have someone who's really well-grounded and inclusive and speaks on behalf of most of the people mm-hmm. in the community, that person will have a chance to, to have a seat on the
4: and, board. And, I
5: nominate Nancy. Yeah.
4: yeah. yeah. I, oh, and yeah. I think the thing that an uh, opposition individual needs most is just a good platform that they're running yeah, on. like exactly. It doesn't matter what sexuality, what creed, what religion, what race, mm. um, as long as they have a good... Good platform. Good platform,
3: yeah. Exactly, um, and of course, guys. I'm I'm sorry to announce this, but did you know we're at war again? Yay! The, the war on Christmas has begun. Oh.
4: Because did you know there's lesbians on the Starbucks mug, okay, guys? That's
2: right. What? What's Star- wrong with
3: a- Starbucks has released a new holiday cup? Oh. And, it's, um,
4: it's basically our battle flag. <laughs> <laughs> the Starbucks Christmas mug.
3: It, it, ma- it makes him re- It makes the conservatives really angry. Uh, they say they say that Starbucks has a like, gay agenda, apparently. What? Because there, yeah. there's there's, there's a, a couple of cartoon women on the cup holding hands. You know, as you know, they're like sharing a cup and. Uh, Across from each other, and they're kind of touching hands. And because of that, so Starbucks what? says, well, Hey, dude, you gotta live in a conservative mindset.
5: I, I know, and the I next can't. day I ran out and got a latte so I could have my Christmas cup. <laughs> and I said, This is a statement. I might have to go to
6: Starbucks and get the damn Christmas cup. I, I want didn't...
5: that cup. I think,
0: I think we all need get one. Yeah.
5: Yep.
3: And we're sure of a fat man in a red hat.
5: Or should be. Sick. I know. I, so. I still have my red cup from last year, where everybody was complaining that it was. Well, wasn't.
4: that that was actually from two years ago. Yeah. Um. Because I I don't I think this year might also be part of it is the reason they did that blank mug a couple years ago so people could draw on draw on it and then they've just been using those patterns for the Christmas mugs that their like customers have so what, created. I,
6: what's the problem? I I'm not getting this conservative mindset thing. Nobody it, is. It's
4: gonna turn kids gay if they see two women holding hands.
6: It's gonna turn them yeah. gay. Cause
4: did you know it's a choice?
6: It's a choice you make. <laughs> <laughs> Why does my head hurt every time we bring this subject up? <laughs>
3: Uh, well, on something a bit more positive, um, do you, you guys remember when they had the hashtag Me Too yep. thing trending? Oh, Well, there's yes. another hashtag that started trending. It's called hashtag Church Too. What? Which is actually oh. Yes, it, it starts to trend to talk about sex abuse in religion. I
2: had no idea.
3: Oh, this is good. And this was started by Emily Joy and Hannah Posh. I, believe, I, believe, I hope I said this right. So that's interesting because people are talking about, you know, Priests abusing mm-hmm. them or stuff like that. hashtag hashtag Church too. Wow, so that becomes mm-hmm. is it
5: gaining int- any traction or I, is it at this I point it's trending?
3: It's trending. It's one of those trending uh, yeah. hashtags. Did you guys also hear that uh, Trudeau? This is I don't know. We should almost do a show about this. The Prime Minister Justin Trudeau pledged to prosecute those who join ISIS, but also said that his government would try to reintegrate them into society. Quote, we recognize the return of even one individual may have serious national security implications. Uh, Nearly 180 Canadians left this country to join ISIS. 60 of them have have returned. And now the government is thinking of prosecuting these people under the law but also slowly but surely reintegrate them into the society. Is this a mistake?
4: Well, it depends what they do to reintegrate them. If they're just like if it's like, okay, here's a pamphlet of why you shouldn't join an extremist religion. Oh, have fun. But if they educate them and like work with them to, and not in like a, like 1984, like re-education program where we're brainwashing you, but to just and give them opportunities to say like, okay, are we like, what led this person down this path to join ISIS? Mm-hmm. What could we do better for other people? What could we change? And how can we help this individual lead a productive
6: life? The thing you have to remember is what Canadian law did these people break? Yeah, like, uh, I, okay. I don't so, know. So they come back to Canada and internationally they have broken laws. Yes. Yeah. We assume. It's up to the government to prove that. And that's where the prosecution would come in. But they've broken no Canadian laws. Oh, so to you come sure back, about say, that? I'm, I'm pretty sure. Because we don't have laws that say, you know, if you go over to Syria and commit acts with ISIS, uh, you've broken a Canadian law. There is no Canadian law No, but there are that. some
3: laws that say you can't, joop, uh, can't join a group of terrorists or stuff like that. Okay,
6: so that's that. what they can get them on is the terrorism. Yeah, but yeah. now we have convicted murderers in this country who serve their time and then they're released. hmm we don't have any, any evidence saying that these people have killed anyone. We don't have any evidence saying they've tortured anyone. We well, have no evidence. Are are they saying that they're
4: them. going to jail? Or just Well, the-
6: prosecution. They're saying that they want to prosecute yeah. them, and then they want to reintegrate them into society. Mm-hmm. We have a correctional system here. It doesn't work very well, but we do have that philosophy of a correctional system. We do have system. a
3: rehabilitation system. Yeah.
6: Exactly. It's a rehabilitation system. So I, I just had this discussion with my son, and I had to tell him he was he was adamant that, boy, this is the wrong way to go. <laughs> But the thing is that we live under a country where the rule of law is prominent. If you start ignoring that rule of law Mm -hmm. because of your feelings towards what these people have have done, Mm -hmm. what position they've taken, that's a very slippery slope to be going down.
3: So the the real question happens to be, uh, are these jihadists or want to be jihadists? people that can be rehabilitated, or are they just hopeless?
5: No, this oh, I is, think it has to, has to be on been... a case-by-case basis. I don't think you can make a sweeping judgment oh, about everybody. So it would have to be, I would think, that that person would have to uh, overcome, you know, t- the t- ticking the boxes off one, one by one by one. Mm-hmm. And if, if someone, you know, has the opportunity to, again, be a... A productive member of society—that's great, you know. I mean, it—it it, it happens in so many different ways not that it's it's always parallel but you have people who are criminals of one way or the other and they serve their time and they come out and they work with law enforcement either in prevention or trying to solve cases where they have Mm -hmm. have knowledge so um yeah i i i guess nothing like treason i mean the laws there wouldn't be any
3: you might have to do a show
5: look it up this is like it's it's unique so i have no idea actually do a show on that
3: Actually,
7: I I have something to say on this matter because of having lived in Germany and, of course, in Europe, they've been dealing this for a while. Uh, France, Germany, and a number of other countries, Uh, Holland, too, with um, Muslims that were born there that then uh, left the country to join ISIS. And, uh, of course, they do present a security risk, but at the same time... Some of these individuals have been rehabilitated successfully and are helping to um, turn the tide. I mean, uh, you have to look at why some of these males have joined ISIS, and uh, most of them are male. The other one is they're marginalized. Um, Let's say, especially in France, a lot of them come from the uh, banlieue, uh Paris and um some of these individuals just don't see a future for themselves and that's part of the problem they've just been sort of abandoned by society and uh I think that is something that they really need to look at like if if they don't want youngsters to be brainwashed and um join this kind of organization, well, then maybe they should look at being a little more inclusive and provide them with a future.
3: I agree. I agree. Mm -hmm.
6: And the whole program, if it's properly done, what Justin Trudeau's government Mm -hmm. is proposing would put us in a position to learn from these people exactly what Annette was saying. We're going to learn why. They did what they did. Why the message well, was Yeah, yeah. And, and what do they actually believe in now? And hopefully from that, we can help to curb it from happening again and totally again and yeah. again, right? Excellent. Um, okay. Anyway, you, you, I think that's a good idea, Kevin. Show, yeah, uh, yeah. show on that because well, yeah, it's huge. It's a huge thing.
3: Right? Uh, did you guys hear that uh, Robert Mugabe... Finally stepped down after 37 years in Zimbabwe, the, uh, the Zimbabwe at the 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 age of 93. 93. Now, he, yeah, he he was always depicted as the typical African uh, dictator. Uh, he uh, ended up uh, firing his vice president Emerson. Oh, I'm going to massacre this Nangagwa, and replaced him with his wife Grace. And that was basically the uh, the the, wrote, the yeah the straw oh, that broke the gosh. camel's back. He basically lost all his support at that point. Um, interesting thing about Zimbabwe, you know, when the crisis of uh, 2008, the uh, economic crisis of 2008 mm-hmm. happened, uh, he, the inflation of Zimbabwe climbed up 231 million percent. Wait, what? What? Oh, yes. 231 million percent. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. and I want to have them answered immediately. So you can have a trillion Zimbabwe dollars. It was worth essentially
4: oh, nothing. Oh my gosh. Yeah.
3: Yes. So now the uh, this Emerson uh, character is they know him as the crocodile of Zimbabwe. He will be the president. So, um, wow. As as much as he was apparently a despicable person by a, by a lot of accounts, there are some things that he did that were actually positive. Uh, Zimbabwe, for example, has one of the highest literacy rates in Africa. So. Edu- and the, education
6: the ed- was important.
3: Yeah. The, the end of an era for, 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 for that country, but it's interesting to see, see that.
5: It's good he's gone. I don't care how much good he did. Someone else can do some good and be, you know, a more benevolent dictator. Oh, yeah, exactly.
3: <laughs> exactly. And, of course, we have to talk about what just happened. Uh, this is some of the latest news. A uh, mosque in Sinai was mm-hmm. attacked. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, as we speak, as we're recording this right now, they've counted 300-plus dead. Yeah. Oh, 27 wow. of them are children, One hundred. 28 injured apparently 25 to 30 armed men assaulted the al-aradoa uh, sufi mosque uh, with automatic uh, machine guns uh, they took position at the entrances and apparently they were carrying an isis flag but the response no response was claimed usually isis yeah, they,
4: yeah. that is really yeah. weird
3: so yeah. the president abdel fatah el sisi vowed a response with brute force uh, this is Muslim on Muslim violence, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Sufi, uh, is Sufi, Sufi is it Sufi or Sunni? No, Sufi. No, these were Sufis. Sufi Islam is actually considered oh, okay. heretical uh, by jihadists. Got it. So, unfortunately, it's very sad. Mm-hmm. Very sad. Thing. That is
7: sad that children were murdered. Anno- another attempt just... by
3: the religion piece, right? Yeah.
7: Yeah. Oh, and, it's yeah.
5: tragic.
3: And of course, on, on something a bit, uh, a bit more uh, positive. It was a birthday this week. Yes. Our dearest Christina's birthday.
4: Oh yeah, put me right after the murder. <laughs> Thanks.
2: i <I'm laughs> a positive up. note here. Yeah. Dearest, happy, happy birthday. birthday.
4: Thank you. Happy birthday. She
3: just turned 13.
4: Yep. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I finally can get my ears pierced now, guys. <laughs> I am a real it teenager.
3: Was, <laughs> it was a big week for you, right? Because... You, you, it's your birthday, eh? Yep.
4: Uh, Kirsten and I got engaged. Yay! <laughs> Yay!
7: <laughs> and there was much yep. rejoicing. Yep. We'll do a podcast. Not in my family, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'll yeah.
6: on them. So much happiness in uh, one week. Conservatives everywhere are cringing yep. right now.
4: <laughs> yep. <laughs>
3: Think about it this way. You're starting a new family now.
4: Hell yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be great. And it involves owning horses. So it's better.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and we'll do a show live at the wedding. No, just kidding. Yeah, totally. <laughs>
4: totally. We can walk around and interview my religious relatives and be like, oh, can oh, we wow. please? That would be
3: hilarious. Fabulous. That, that, that would be very, that would be very interesting. Hilarious.
1: You won't get much from my family, but from hers. Oh, yeah.
3: On this wonderful so, day, do you still feel like a bigot? <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. With the mic in their face.
4: Uh, are, you, are you planning on stoning the happy couple afterwards?
7: <laughs> are you bringing something like a shield to block them from coming back? Oh, my gosh. Do you, wear a, do you live in a glass house?
3: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, so that's fantastic. <laughs> All right, my dear Nancy, what do you got for us this week? Nothing. Oh, okay. oh
5: No. no, no, no. <laughs> Yeah. You've been
3: saying that for the past uh, couple of weeks. I, yeah. don't that.
5: <laughs> I can't use that one again. i got to come up with something. All right, Are we, here we this go. day in history? It's this day in history. All right. And as we all know, because we've been paying attention, this day in history is a roundup of those events and people who altered and illuminated the days between November the 20th and the 26th. Boy, this month is just practically gone. November the 22nd was Independence Day in Lebanon which was a good thing. However, um, in 1963, in Dallas, Texas, U.S. President John F. Kennedy was assassinated, and Texas Governor John Connolly was seriously wounded, and Lee Harvey Oswald was captured and charged with the murder of both the president and police officer J.D. Tippett. So many of these things now are, you know, we can almost all recite them by by rote. And then, uh, of course, Oswald was shot two days later by Jack Ruby, while in police custody, and Lyndon Johnson became president on uh, Kennedy's death. And we always hear about that part of the story, but we don't always hear what actually, um, what the, the atmosphere was like at Parkland Hospital for the people who were there and Taking, trying to save Kennedy's life, which was a, a bare thread. And so I came across a letter that I thought was really interesting um, that was written to the employees um, right after the event, and it was Written by uh, C.J. Price, who was the administrator, and I thought that maybe this this deserves a little more air and, and credit than than it's gotten up to now. Um, Mr. Price said to all employees at 12:38 p.m. Friday, November the 22nd, 1963, President John F. Kennedy and Texas Governor John Connolly were brought to the emergency room of Parkland Memorial Hospital after being struck down by the bullets of an assassin. At 1:07 p.m. Sunday, November. 24th, 1963, Lee Harvey Oswald, accused assassin of the late president, died in an operating room of Parkland Memorial Hospital after being shot by a bystander in the basement of Dallas City Hall. In the intervening 48 hours and 31 minutes, Parkland Memorial Hospital had Become the temporary seat of the government of the United States. Become the temporary seat of the government of the state of Texas. Become the site of the death of the 35th president. Become the site of the ascendancy of the 36th president. Become the site of the death of President Kennedy's accused assassin. Twice became the center of attention of the world. Continued to function at close to normal pace as a large charity Hospital. What is it that enables an institution to take in stride such a series of history jolting events? Spirit, dedication, preparedness. Certainly all of these are important, but the underlying factor is people. People whose education and training is sound. People whose judgment is calm and perceptive. People whose actions are deliberate and definitive. Our pride is not that we were swept up by the whirlwind of tragic history, but that when we were, we were not found wanting. That's a beautiful. Wow. That's a beautiful mm-hmm. letter yeah. to send to people who that was, were just as traumatized as everyone I'm else. I'm trying to compress
6: this in today's words. Yeah. Of putting this in a tweet.
5: G- oh my gosh. Them, yeah.
6: He was giving them something positive to something, hold on to.
5: Something positive. After you guys all the trauma are
6: not
4: losers. Exactly.
5: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because it, it took Dallas a long time to overcome everything that, so that happened on, on that's those a good two mark, days.
6: That's a good mark of leadership. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He'd give his sure. people something positive to hold on to after the trauma.
5: Exactly. Yep. November the 24th, on a more positive note, um, was Evolution Day, which was the Woo! anniversary of the publication of Darwin's On the Origin of Species. Yay! Yay! November 25th was International Day for the Elimination of Violence Against Women, and in 1949, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer appeared for the first time on the charts. Wow. That goes back 1949. Yeah. And I still A long, hate it. Long, long time. <laughs> <laughs> I can get about halfway through, and then it's like, please, I've got to start in the station.
3: I think it depends what time of year. If it's like three days it before is. Christmas, it's fine. If it's in November now,
4: <laughs> I I just like all the little extras oh. you add in.
6: But I was like in,
4: Monopoly. <laughs> I was in the mall.
6: I was in the mall doing my insurance for my car the other day, and they had the Christmas music on, and I. While I'm standing at the insurance desk, I'm listening to this, and I'm thinking to myself, it's not even December yet. Yeah. Hey, Christmas I starts October 1st. And I, I looked at the lady behind the counter. I looked at the lady behind the counter. I said, how do you do it? Yeah. And she says, we learned to ignore it. <laughs>
3: I- hey, wait a minute. I'm calling you out, Mr. Scott, because I remember quite a while back, I was talking about the Christmas creep and how they were bringing eggnog right away, and this was like an... June, somewhere, and you already say, Well, I'm fine with that.
2: I'm you can't be with f-
6: eggnog. No, no, no eggnog <laughs> doesn't
5: have
3: to it's be a Christmas. package deal, sir. It's <laughs> a, oh,
2: <laughs> <come> <laughs> on. So,
5: so, how do you all feel about um, the fact that Black Friday is now in Canada? I so love it. Your... It's I amazing. love You're it packet? so much. Really? I love Black Friday. Okay, yeah, I just Black got a really good
6: Friday deal on a car.
7: I mean, that,
5: that's Dude.
7: Right. I don't even know what it's about. It's just—it's
6: like Boxing Day. Black Friday is a sale day. It's a after Thanksgiving giving is it th- no, it's
7: the
4: day no, no, after, it's after
5: it's the, it's the the American after Thanksgiving. It's the Friday after U.S. Yeah, Thanksgiving. It's a huge sale. the of it?
3: Yeah. The, the, the original... The, Do you know
5: or, why they call it Black Friday? No. It's Black Friday because that's the start of the season when they're in the black. The yes. retail is positive. Ah, right. That's when the sales oh, start mm-hmm. in the black.
6: So that's that's that. why these big sales are on. Because, hey, Correct. now that we're making money, we're that's not right, actually in sucking the back now we can, we can offer some really, really good yeah. deals. Yeah. Right? I love That's,
1: it. The That's deals awesome. are amazing. And of course, right?
6: you know, I you, you, go to the, up you, you watch the him. news from the States. <laughs> I don't know what Black Friday's done here, this year, but in the past years, people have killed themselves over television. Oh, yeah, it's
4: insane in the People got
6: trampled to death because there was five items on the shelf mm-hmm. and there was 2,200 people trying no, to get into no. the store That's that was insane. only rated for 900.
4: Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the one thing I like about Black Friday is they've moved it online.
6: Yeah, so you Which can, has taken a lot of the foot traffic away. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So I'm I'm fine with that.
5: And in nineteen twenty-four in New York City, the first Macy's Thanksgiving Day parade oh, wow. was held. Does anybody ever watch any of those? No. Wow. Yeah.
4: I would always have to miss it because I would have to go to school. Uh, Darn education.
5: I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And let's see um, it, it's also the start when most of the holiday windows are up so now we're yep. absolutely in in the season so we might as well end that now on a I nice can,
4: Now I can now now I can wear my ugly Christmas sweater and
5: won't be looked oh, at weird
6: lights, <laughs> Christmas lights are actually pretty they I are. have to say <laughs> and When you Advent, see a street of hey, a street of hey, of growing up we started our Christmas
4: lights going up October 1st.
7: Really?
1: <laughs> and that's why Christmas <laughs> well, begins. October. Uh, 1st. Let me just okay. explain,
4: guys. We we had over 50,000 Christmas lights. We went insane. Okay,
6: you <laughs> did go insane. We had to put ours up because the ladder doesn't stick to ice very well. Oh, my gosh. So oh. Christmas lights had to be up before the snowfall.
5: Oh. Ew. And starting the Christmas season We'll end the, this day in history On that positive note And it brings to a close Another passing parade Of interesting, mundane, unusual And occasionally bizarre events And people that make up This day in history Thank you, Nancy Thank you, Nancy That was you. wonderful you. That Good was
3: job Yay. My Christmas light I usually <laughs> take off one of my light bulbs And put a black light or something
2: <laughs> That's not, <it>. not <laughs> Christmas Nancy is wearing
7: Christmas colors I'm much
3: more of a Halloween guy Than a Christmas guy <laughs>
5: No, I'm not I'm not a, when the, when the children were little then Christmas was wonderful. Mm-hmm. I, I treasure I... those times. But after the kids all grow yeah. up, you know, instead of presents, I think people ought to donate the money. Mm-hmm. Well, this is a suggestion. I think in, instead of buying stuff that you don't that people really don't need, I think the money would go much better of donating it to some charity or activist yeah, like uh, Scott's car organization fund yeah, or some exactly. organization that can benefit from from that uh, you know
4: from the spirit on of christmas. on what you were saying about watching kids open presents i was always the youngest growing up so yeah uh i was always like the kid that everyone watched open presents and for a period of like when i was a teenager to only a couple years ago like christmas i did not enjoy it because i'm like this is so boring like it was just i always was like oh everyone else is getting more presents and like why am I not getting presents? Am I not loved? Uh, but now that I have all my nieces and nephews starting to open presents, it's, it's amazingly, like, I don't even care if I get any presents. I just love watching the joy on these kids' more, more faces as they open a book that I got from a secondhand store.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and now you're actually going
4: to have a little sister.
6: Yeah, Harry Potter loving sister. I'm yeah, so excited. Geez. I knew oh. Harry Potter was coming up in here somewhere. Yeah, yeah. It, it to to, to. Kirst,
4: Kirsten has a younger sister who's ah. obsessed with Harry Potter, just oh. like me.
3: Oh <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much for that, guys. So let's <laughs> move on to our segment that we always love, called "Another Brilliant Moment."
4: Brought Abroad to you team. by religion. Ha, thank you. I cut you off.
3: If, you know, don't just have you do the segment, I'm fine with that too. <laughs> oh, I've got lots of stories this week. Lots of stories. So let's start with the one about a wonderful Christian hypocrisy.
4: There's only one? <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Alright, we ready for that? You're on a roll today. <laughs> An anti-gay family values lawmaker resigned after being caught <gasps> engaging heard. in a quote inappropriate sexual affair with a man Whoa. in his office. Yep. This is Ohio State Representative Wes Goodman, a married, anti-gay, anti-abortion, conservative Christian.
4: It's almost at the point where it's like, okay, uh, uh, what is it, like, death, death, power, death, I can't do it. It's like where you protest too much.
6: That, yeah, that was so So if his boyfriend got pregnant, would he want an abortion? <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, no.
3: Well, this was a guy who promoted <sighs> natural marriage, has announced his resignation from the Ohio House of Representatives over the allegation of an inappropriate sexual affair with a man. <laughs> so he signs, a, he sends a letter of resignation. I'm not going to read the whole thing here, but after a while, it just it, it reads. Uh, we all bring our own struggle and our own trials into public life That's a, This has been true for me And I sincerely regret that my actions and choices Have kept me from serving my constituents and our state In a way that reflects the best ideals of public service Yeah, best ideals my ass. <laughs> for those whom I have let down, I'm sorry As I move into the next chapter of my life I sincerely ask for
6: privacy
3: What? For myself, my family, and my friends This guy has the gall to ask for privacy After being so against everything
5: it's, you know, you really have to have to wonder about someone who it, it has so much sexual repression and feels as though they have to be the voice of conservative re- religious beliefs, and that struggle of knowing that you have a tendency toward loving another a, another man or wanting to be with boys, wow, or loving wanting another to, human being, and, 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 and at the same time fighting that yeah. by being. The, the voice well, you know, against that. Some, how, how does a person like that function sometimes every it, day with that it, kind of a war going on inside of their, yeah, their mind and their yeah. emotions? Um, the voice is not going to be the last.
4: Sometimes, when, you, like, I know from experience, like, when you have these feelings that you know you think are wrong and, like, evil, oh, it's sh- so much easier to turn them in the hatred you have for yourself yes. outward. And, like, I. I, when I was younger, I actually had a massive crush on a girl, and I didn't even realize it. But I hated this girl, like, and I had no reason to hate her. But I just, I hated her. Yeah. And it wasn't until when I was older and realized that I was attracted to women as well that I met her again. I'm like, oh, that's why you're freaking gorgeous. <laughs> like, and like, I, I found her very attractive. And at that time, my brain just. It was easier to, okay, I don't know how to deal with this emotion, we're just going to funnel it into this kind of acceptable one.
3: If there wasn't the sexual repression that the church and, and the religion offers, these incidents
6: wouldn't happen. No. It just wouldn't happen.
4: No, because it's like, oh, okay, I am attracted to guys, okay, let's have sex <laughs> with a guy. That's,
6: isn't, that, isn't that amazing? What you just said really is kind of cool. The... Being attracted to Or loving someone From the same sex Is unacceptable Yeah So you channeled that Into, into hatred Hatred Which is acceptable Yeah, yeah. Doesn't that say something about our a, society? That's
5: what I was saying. You know, to, to go through that, you know, and and to take it to the extreme where you're, you know, you're part of a, a moral you know, movement, you know, against it so that you make other people miserable. Yeah, even acceptable. That, oh, that's acceptable. It, but if someone yes. finds out, you know, I, I have to prevent that at all costs because it's, then I'm part of them. And I, I just, what?
6: it's so, like you said, the hypocritical yeah. part mm-hmm. comes out yeah. real close. We're, it's not okay to love somebody because of the same sex as you, but it's yeah. okay to hate them. But
4: but God is love.
6: <laughs> and remember, God loves you. Yeah. Don't screw up, or you're going to hell forever and ever but and God ever. God loves you.
3: <laughs> uh, here's another brilliant thing. Um, you know they they had a church shooting not too long ago? Yeah. Well, a man accidentally shot himself and his wife in an East Tennessee church on Thursday while he was showing off his gun. How? Showing off his gun in a church? In a church. Loaded. During a discussion on recent church shootings. So the, here's how you shoot
4: yourself in the face. Oh, whoops, and now I'm dead.
3: <laughs> so the elder members of the First United Methodist Church in Telico Plains were cleaning up about 1 p.m. after enjoying a luncheon uh, held to celebrate Thanksgiving. They began discussing about guns in churches because now the church is saying, yeah, let's arm ourselves in case we're attacked.
4: Wow, because that always makes everybody safer, adding uh, more guns to uneducated people. So a man
3: (laughs) in his 80s pulled out a (laughs) 38 caliber (laughs) uh, Ruger handgun and said, I carry my handgun everywhere. Moved,
4: with the safety off. That's right.
3: <laughs> he removed the magazine, through the chamber, chamber, and showed the gun to some of the men of the church. He put the magazine back in, apparently loaded around the chamber, and returned the gun to his holster. And somebody else walked up and said, hey, can I see it? And He pulled, out the, he pulled it out again with the loaded indicator. And can, I can tell that it's not loaded. And he pulled the trigger. <laughs> You just forgot that he reloaded the gun. Oh the, the, my god! That the gun, right? is,
7: uh, the, he, How did he shoot himself and his wife? Award. He
3: deserves the Darwin, Darwin award. award. Yeah, the uh, bullet sliced the palm of the man's hand uh, mm-hmm. and oh. entered the left side of his wife's abdomen uh. and exited <gasps> the right side.
4: Oh my gosh! Of course, so she, she got more she's injured. In the, she's she's in also
3: hospital. in her eighties. Okay.
4: Oh my gosh! Seriously, she's in her eighties. Both of them are in
3: their eighties.
4: Oh wow. <laughs> okay, that that puts this into well, he's a, a, a different dumbass. picture. <laughs>
6: Hey, wow! They got guns. They don't need anything else. You know, and it's funny. It's funny because basic gunmanship, uh, what we were taught in the military, it doesn't matter how many times you've cleared that chamber. Every time you pick that weapon up, you clear the chamber mm-hmm. and you look in the chamber to make sure it's clear. Doesn't matter if you just cleared it. If you set the weapon down and you pick it back up, you clear the chamber again if you're going to hand it off to someone. Yeah. And you verify with them the chamber's clear.
5: Well said. It ensures the fact that the person the gun owner is aware of what that weapon can do and they've either been to classes or they've passed, you know, the tests and they understand what's going on. When you have someone who Just has a gun and they don't care about any of that, or they've forgotten about that, or they've never been to class. Those Mm -hmm. are the guys that really—and this guy's a perfect example.
4: You see see on movies, it's like, oh, you just have to pick up a gun and you can shoot people. Like, like that's all it takes. Yeah, I mean, you've got a gun.
5: (laughs) You've got responsible gun owners, and you've
4: got—it's like it's like people who think they know karate because they watch Jackie Chan. It's like no, you can't you can't use a gun just because you watch John Wick. Yeah. doesn't happen. Well,
6: I, I just don't understand this, this prevalence of keeping it. Uh, uh, you want to carry your gun? Fine. I don't have a problem with that. You want to carry your gun around? Why is there a round in the chamber <laughs> ready to fire? Why is it cocked ready to fire?
5: Yeah. It, it doesn't
6: sense. need to be. No. And, and that extra half a second it takes to cock it is not going to change the outcome of a, of a gun battle.
5: Nope.
3: All yeah. right. I got to move on here. So, there's another story. End Time broadcaster Rick Wiles, heard of this guy? He I saw his True News radio programs on Friday that America has become so wicked
4: <laughs>
3: that and immoral that God sent angels to this country. If God would send angels to this country, you know what would happen? They'd shoot them. No, gay man would try to rape them. Um, excuse uh, me? Yes. me. What? Citing the biblical tale of Solomon oh, Gamora. Oh,
4: yeah, that makes like, sense. Like, that's
3: a bloody reference. <laughs> <Boston> <laughs> insisted that the sick, sick society has nothing on modern-day America. Yep. Quote, I think right now, God, if God sent angels to this country, homosexuals would attempt to rape them. Yeah, What's but
4: so? uh, they can't rape the angels, but you can rape my daughters.
6: That's <laughs> totally fine. <laughs> can, you get her, can you get an angel pregnant? I don't know. Who would be the father? Who would be the mother?
3: You're just left with feathers in your mouth. It's like... <laughs> it's, it's, it's really not good.
6: Could you give an... Could you give an angel an abortion? <laughs> I don't know. Well, no, Nephilim. I mean, Nef- it, right? Nephilim exist.
3: So, did he lay an egg? Did they lay I an egg? You're very right. Yeah. I'm telling you, he continued, if angels right. arrive in some major cities in this country, men would seek to rape them. And we have become that wicked. So... Kind of makes you wonder if Wilde's Wa- <laughs> daughters would be put out if these angels raping game men.
4: <laughs> oh uh, my God! All these angel
3: angel raping game men would arrive. Maybe his wife will turn him to salt, too. And
5: and the bad (laughs) thing is that there are a substantial number of people who believe exactly what that guy is saying. Yeah, it's just amazing. Oh, that's scary. I mean, he's sick. But the fact that people are are saying, yes, you know, we we believe in everything that you're saying. And that's right. That's the danger. The the followers.
3: Oh, yeah. It's uh, Uh, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. I've got another
6: story, but I want to change the music here because it's,
2: it's just
3: Uh-oh.
6: ridiculous. Uh, I kind of know what music he's putting. Yeah, I kind of figured. Mm. All right.
3: Did you guys hear about the guy named Mad Mike Hughes?
4: No, but I right. love his name. He's a
3: self taught rocket scientist. Yes. 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 Self taught.
2: Yes.
4: Okay. I did hear about this. He's I did also hear about
3: known as a limo driver. Him. He's got a lot of stuff in his hands. <laughs> he's planning to launch himself oh. today over a town in California.
4: Is he going to live stream it?
3: I don't know. But in a homemade rocket that says, research Flat Earth across the side. Oh my gosh. Now, he plans to test his rocket uh, this weekend, and if successful, the trip should demonstrate the curvature of the Earth and disprove his nonsense. But he doesn't think that will happen. Instead, he's betting that he can build a rocket powerful enough to get him into space so that he can take a photo of the Flat Earth proving NASA wrong.
5: Does, I hope does he, he has have, all of his affairs in order.
3: 20 bucks as he gets her. Come on. Oh. <laughs> Betty would
5: with me here? I, this, one's, oh. this
6: one's only going to get him to an altitude of 1,500 feet or something.
5: Yeah, i um, I'm, I'm getting But does,
4: does he realize that to survive in space, you need very specialized equipment?
3: Oh, he's just going to stop before the dome. He's going to glide yeah. on the dome. There, door. Is, no, there
6: oh, is no space, remember.
4: okay. But yeah. he said space. Does... Well,
6: he's going to go up to where we look at, and the, the dome covers. He's going to, right? to he's he's gonna gonna hit it? With... He's <laughs> gonna, yeah, It'll be like that, that, that movie where the, the, the rocket goes to the moon. Remember that one, the the first sci-fi movie ever? Yeah. When a rocket crashes yeah. into the moon? Yeah, such it'll be like a, that. Such, and only he'll be, such a brilliant movie. His rocket movie. will be sticking out of the dome. Yeah. He'll be able to wave at okay. him. He'll be hanging there. All I'm thinking of is wait, the
3: birds it's... with those Windex commercials. The guy says I don't believe in science. The guy says I don't believe in science.
4: Then why did he build a rocket? I don't know.
3: (laughs) 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 Whose main sponsor for the rocket is Research Flat Earth? That's a group. He says I know about aerodynamics and fluid dynamics and how things move through. He doesn't believe
6: in science.
2: No
3: (laughs) I brought a student size a rocket nozzle and thrust, but that's not science. That's, that's not science. A, that's just a formula he says. That's what science is. There's no difference between science and science fiction. This guy's brilliant. And there's no such
7: thing as an atmosphere, guys. It's an atmosphere.
3: Yes,
6: that's right. That's right. She pulled that Thank from the story, you. Atmos Thank Flat. You. <laughs> yeah. So
5: You know, in today's world, there's no sense in reading fiction to get away from reality. No, you don't even (laughs) need. Reality is asked whenever
6: fiction is So we had to question it, and it it was actually in the story. I forget what they said. that There was comments under the story where people asked, why didn't you just get a weather balloon and go up? Because we we attach cameras to weather balloons all the time now, and they go really high. Mm -hmm. They'll go up into the hundreds of thousands of feet. And, you know, a lot of the Canadian people just turned around and said, you know, we can get a flight with WestJet for a few hundred bucks and get up to 40,000
2: feet just like that. Like... (laughs)
6: <laughs> what? But then somebody said, well, no, he would claim that that's all just a ruse a by the airlines. It's a ruse yeah, by the exactly. airlines. They've,
4: they've discovered teleportation, of the and you weren't actually, yeah. like, in the air. They're not, yeah, they're
3: not windows right. all in which TV Exactly. 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 Not showing the same movie. You
4: said when that, is he
5: going? Uh, today. Today. He's probably
3: already His rocket launches all the photos he takes while miles above Earth will ultimately disprove the spherical planet theory, according to the Washington Post. Quote, I'll shut the door to this ball Earth, Hughes says, in a fundraising interview with a flat Earth group on Saturday. Uh, Theories discussed during the interview include NASA being controlled by a round Earth Freemason and Elon Musk making fake rocket from blimps.
5: Good film at 11. Yeah.
3: (laughs) Hughes promised the flat Earth community that he would expose a conspiracy with a steam-powered rocket, this will be fun, which will launch from a heavily modified mobile home. There we go. Oh my gosh. The story. Though he acknowledged that he still had much to learn about rocket science, he plans on on reaching 1,800 feet. That's it. Which is 550 meters, which is the the height of the CN Tower.
7: Wait.
6: (laughs) He's not going to see the curvature. Wait, I can't see it's the what? not enough
3: to see the curvature.
6: I can't see the curvature on no, an airplane I, I, window. I like,
5: and what? I, I, but I like your idea, Scott. I'm hoping that he hits the dome yeah, and then he yeah. can wave and then he can write notes on the dome. Exactly. My, and we can he my can message. Back and
6: forth. Hey, there how we go. You, we can start how? a campaign to send him spray paint, yeah. fluorescent spray it, it, fluorescent.
2: paint,
5: and he
6: can he can actually write messages on the dome I'm, like graffiti right? how
5: Now I'm with it. I wasn't until we until we see the, the <laughs> there's an absolute benefit to this. Now i um, let him go.
4: I, I think he watched the Truman Show a little too much, um, but but also also how is he planning on landing?
3: Oh, I don't know. I didn't, probably I didn't have the details. Apparently there's some shitty parachute yeah. somewhere they're involved.
7: Well, if it's a shitty yeah. parachute, then he'll be uh, the pre- That's, what, that's really worried.
3: Twenty <laughs> bucks. Twenty bucks says he injures himself somehow. Yeah. 20, 20, Twenty bucks says he pulls at least an evil, injures himself or dies.
6: Yep. Oh my God! Oh, he apparently he was friends with Evil Knievel. He knew Evil Knievel Who? or something. Evil yeah. Knievel. Evil Knievel was one of the greatest stunt men that ever lived. Oh. It was a big thing back in the sixties oh, okay. and seventies. Before your where, time. Yeah, no, I think I
4: think I've seen videos. People of would actually what he go
6: out and do stunts on purpose. Yeah. So one of the stunts Evil Knievel did was to try and rocket propel himself. He was a motorcycle rider. Avid, oh, okay. Right. That's a lot of his stunts were done on motorcycles. Mm. And he tried to rocket propel himself across the Grand Canyon, which failed. Did he die? No, he mm. broke. No, he broke, broke something like two hundred and three out of two hundred and six bones in his body, yeah.
4: <laughs> and he survived. Oh yeah, yeah. Evil really Knievel
6: was—he was. Read up on it. It's really cool. He apparently Knievel made a deal was with the a devil.
5: Really, really <laughs> tough guy. <laughs> Well, let's oh. give an update on this guy. Oh yeah, next, definitely next week. Or, or we next can week have we'll him. talk
3: about the funeral.
5: If we could get a microphone to him up in the dome, he can report next week. Yeah, yeah, that would be <laughs> wonderful. True.
4: Live from the dome. Just a
3: little, <laughs> b- little balloon with some helium and a big cable.
5: That's
2: <laughs> our next guest.
3: Our next guest. Yeah. Oh my God! What a clown! We could put Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for bearing with me on this. So <laughs> let's take a quick pause, and we'll be right back with Nate Phelps. So stay with us.
6: Hi. I'm the Supreme Reverend Dr.
3: Randy Tyson from the Legion of Reason Diversion. Join me and my co-hosts, Christine Shelska, Twyla, and Nate Phelps, as we explore issues at the intersection of atheism, humanism, and skepticism. Topics range from alternative medicine to the interference of religion in public policy. We often have special guests to help us understand the topic du jour. Previous guests include biologist Jerry Coyne, ex-Muslim author Ali Rizvi, philosopher Peter Bogosian, and the late physicist Victor Stanger. You can watch us on the Legion of Reason YouTube channel or subscribe to the audio version through your favorite podcatcher, such as iTunes or Stitcher. And don't forget to like the Legion of Reason Facebook page.
1: Religious people taking over the world. I mean, we can either speak up or be pushed into a corner. I'm to be an atheist.
3: What happens when you're an atheist living in the Canaan Bible Belt? If you're like me, you gather some friends and you take to the airwaves. So I invite you to come and join us every week to take a Left of the Valley and find out where you stand in this world. Follow us on iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, Blog Talk Radio or SoundCloud or leftofthevalley.com Atheist, skeptic, and humanist. Radio, no God required.
1: Faith in God is like a virus, so why would I respect it? The line between good and evil gets blurred once infected. The truth you neglected.
4: A Monday worry mean, me means stride.
1: Today's so you Me.
3: It's also taught us, just in my lifetime, an
0: enormous amount more about how little we know because we have now an increasingly large idea of a fantastic expanse of the the unknown. That's precisely the moment at which to say that skepticism is what's necessary. Inquiry,
2: debate, doubt. Where's faith in this? Where's the usefulness of faith there? There's no use to it at all.
3: Okay, so our next guest is none other than the fantastic, the fabulous, the one and only Nate Phelps. Nate, thank you so much for joining us at Left of the Valley.
2: Oh, jeez. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: Nate, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to be super honest with you right from the get-go here. Um I wasn't sure that I wanted to bring you on the show because you, you you have such a fantastic story. And I've heard your story, and I've heard you tell it, and you've told it many, many times. But at the same <laughs> time, I wanted you to come and tell your story to, the, to, the, to our audience. But I didn't want to pull off a scab or, or open an old wound or stuff like that. So are, are, are you good for telling
0: us the Nate Phelps story? you good with that? Yeah, yeah, I'm, you bet. Not a problem at all.
3: Fantastic. So I guess I guess the mic is all yours, Nate. Uh, give us uh, the, the the Nate Phelps story.
0: Okay. Well, so I I uh, grew up uh, in Topeka, Kansas. My father was Fred Phelps of the uh, Westboro Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. Um, we grew up in a. Uh, I have twelve brothers and sisters. It was the church that uh, at during the time I was there, there was just us and two other families primarily because every time my father got behind the pulpit he pissed someone off so no one wanted to stay in the church very long you know every once in a while we'd get visitors but they would they wouldn't last more than one uh, one sermon or maybe a couple more and then they'd move on so um, it was uh, his theology was Calvinism which for those who don't know it it's basically Christianity turned on its head because Calvin said that that uh, humans don't get to choose whether they're saved—that's uh, God's job. So um, it's a, it was just considered a kind of a a variation, a, a distorted version of Christianity by most people today. Although a lot of Baptists still claim to be Calvinists. Anyway, I don't want to go too far down that road. But um, so he was, but he was an extreme version of it. Um, taught us that uh, you know basically that place was the only place left on earth where there were people who were going to go to heaven he had all kinds of bizarre beliefs based on he, he really was in love with the, the old testament and you can imagine where that takes people yeah um, so he was uh he was teaching us that you know god was going to or christ was going to come back around the year 2000 and that uh, everybody was going to burn, or uh, the few that were saved were going to go up into heaven, and he was actually convinced um, that he wasn't going to die, that he would see the return of Christ before he actually uh, suffered, you know, human death. So, um, it was it was a fairly isolated uh, childhood growing up there, because... Um, in large part because he thought that we were supposed to be separated from the rest of the world, so uh, he found ways to do that, including um, browbeating and putting pressure on the public schools that we were attending to make sure that we weren't involved with any kind of of what he considered religious activities. So when Christmas came around, we would uh, we would be sent out of the classroom to go to the library while they they were doing. Uh, Christmas things, you know, singing carols or whatever. So, uh, and and there was a there was a, a huge push, a lot of pressure put on the kids as we were growing up that that we were required to be uh, warriors for Christ. I guess is the best way to put it, but be aggressive in putting that message out there and condemning the world, um, not shy away from it. Which was a huge problem for me from the from the very beginning because. You know, quite frankly, I just wasn't comfortable at all with telling people they were going to burn for eternity in hell, right? So, um, and then there was the, you know, he he had this strong message about the second-class nature of, of women. Um, that because of Eve's transgression in the Garden of Eden, that women were second-class citizens and they were to be uh, ruled by men. And... uh and then there was the passages that talked about how uh, children were to obey their parents and, and parents were supposed to raise them up and the nurture and admonition of the Lord and spare the rod, spoil the child. So all of that kind of came together to form um, uh, a, a very violent environment. Uh, when we were growing up there, he, he would uh, he was physically and verbally and emotionally violent towards our mother if he thought that she wasn't doing what he he wanted her to do, if she wasn't what he called in subjection to uh, him, he would beat her. And he, uh, at one point, uh, because he was upset about something that she had said, he, he um, grabbed a pair of scissors and cut off all of her hair, which was...
4: Dick, uh, move!
0: <laughs> yeah, which was a direct, you know, it was directly uh, related to the Bible, um, it was very uh, symbolic because women aren't supposed to have uh, short hair, mm-hmm. and specifically, he taught that 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 word in the in the uh, Bible that says "long hair" um, translates to "uncut." So he was uh, he was making a statement by cutting her hair off like that nah. that she wasn't that she wasn't in subjection, and that she wasn't a godly woman. So and then. Uh, that carried over to uh, you know how he behaved towards his children as well. there was he was um, brutally violent when he would get upset and he got upset a lot um, so he would use what was called a Madoc handle. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. No, it's, um, it's a tool a little bigger than an axe it's got a a um, a hole you know, the the metal part is. One end of it is, is shaped like a hoe. The other is shaped like an axe. So it's, you can basically use it to dig out roots okay. out of the ground.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And he would use the handle of that, which was about four and a half feet long, and it had about a 12, 13-inch circumference on the on the base end. And he would swing that like a baseball bat to beat the kids when they had done something that he didn't approve of. Oh, and uh, to the point where you know their backside from... You know, from um, behind the knees to the lower back would be um, split open and bleeding. Oh, my God. Wow. So it was that. And then there was a lot of other examples of that. He was just, he would give himself over to the rage whenever he'd get upset about something. And he was upset a lot because he was under a tremendous amount of pressure. Um, he also, because he couldn't make a living out of preaching, he had gone back to uh, school and, and got a, a law degree. So we practiced law for I want to say probably 15 to 20 years ended up getting disbarred.
3: You said from an early childhood you were kind of pushed to judge people and condemn people. How early was that?
0: Uh, from From our very earliest memories, he I mean we, we were in church literally from the day we were born, every Sunday for three hours, so we were being preached to constantly and uh, you know as we came of age if circumstances came up sometimes we'd have people who were coming over like the Jehovah's Witnesses would come to the door and uh, we would attack them I mean literally I can remember one time when we were literally chasing (laughs) a couple of people down the street screaming at them that they were going to hell
4: oh my gosh they're probably not used to that
0: (laughs) yeah right (laughs) Like they thought they were extreme. <laughs> so um, I mean, it's it was just a part of the culture growing up there. And so as opportunities presented themselves, um, and you got to understand, it wasn't like he was. You know, the the, the average Christian, the religious person, imagines that when they sit in in, in church on a Sunday, that they're going to get a message of inspiration, or you know, they're going every once in a while. The, Um, the preacher will talk to them about the standard of God and you know Mm -hmm. what's expected and what's sinful and what isn't but but by and large at least my experience with mainstream Christianity in the later years was that it was it was an opportunity to kind of get your battery recharged and to hear an inspirational message and and leave there feeling um, motivated and, and positive about things well in our circumstances we were constantly, we were basically being indoctrinated into the the nature of the world, all of the evils that were out there, all of the ideas that, and how they were ran in contradiction to the truth of the Bible, and and uh, why this particular preacher was was wrong, and why he was going to hell, and all of his congregants were going to hell, why this individual was was wrong, and uh, how they were. Uh, Attacking the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ, and and then there was this tendency on his part to um, make everything so extreme. So if if someone was preaching a certain doctrine, or or something as simple as using grape juice instead of wine for the Lord's supper, he would. Um, basically present that in such a way that this person was was pure evil that they had uh, satan in them because wow. and that was the evidence for it, right he was always looking for evidence um crazy yeah. and his evidence was whether or not they were following the the letter of the mm-hmm. of the law you know in the bible so so even if they're uh,
3: using like welsh grape juice you know the really good stuff they're still evil right
0: Oh yeah, no no you can't yeah, exactly. <laughs> can't have leaven in the bread. You can't good. have leaven in the in the in the, the wine. So, so
3: brand. He would hate me.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, um it, but I mean it was just that tendency that he had to make everything it wasn't that this person just had some some doctrine wrong for it, right, you know, okay, so he's in error. That's you hear that kind of talk all the time. Mm-hmm. But it was proof that this person was evil or this denomination was evil. And it was um it was a very uh, potent and significant part of his message was that everything outside of the four walls of that church were um, soaked in demonic influence. And it was dangerous. And, and then he turned uh, towards us as, as the kids that, you know, if we ever got ourselves involved in that, which translated to if we ever left that place
2: mm-hmm.
0: or left his control that we would immediately be immersed in that, we would be subject to God's wrath and and uh, uh, revenge as well. So, you know, when the time came that um, we started develop, developing some thoughts of our own, first of all, because of the message we heard growing up there, any time our minds, or you know, I can only speak for myself at this point, any time our mind would wander um, and wonder about something that didn't fit that model that he had presented to us, and the first thing you do is you try to shut it down because you think, well, this is Satan talking to me, right? Yeah. So it, it kind of sabotages that capacity, that innate capacity in us to to be skeptical and to uh, ask questions. But uh, over the years, as, as all of us came into adulthood, you know, one by one, the kids were leaving but as soon as something bad would happen in their lives, they would rush back to the church to the protection of that place, that, because that's how they translated, um, or you know anything that, bad that happened in their lives. It, that was the context that they they viewed it in.
4: Yeah, you were so, you guys you guys weren't probably instilled with very many good coping mechanisms as kids.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely not. That's one of the things I talk about when I'm when I'm uh, speaking about it is that. When I left there on the night of my 18th birthday, there was, I was, I can't imagine anyone being less prepared for the real world than I was, right? Because you, there's there's no focus on that. We're going to be there and going to be under his his influence and his control for our entire lives. So there was no reason to teach us or no inclination to teach us the, the true nature of the world. So, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know where else to go with that, guys.
5: Well, oh, it's wow. shocking. as you it's as you were shocking. growing up and and you started to have some questions, at at one point, did you really start to realize that not everything that was presented as evil was really evil? That there might be a different kind of a life outside of the church that that might offer you some benefits, and that um, you you wanted to understand. More than what your father was teaching you.
0: Yeah, you know what and I would say that it wasn't until late into my adult life that I actually reached that that um, perspective. Mm. when i when I was growing up there, it was by and large, well, let me just put it this way. by the time I had decided to leave, my state of mind was that everything that my father had t- taught us was true that I was going to, I can remember sitting in church, listening to him, or, you know, he's preaching in the background, and I'm actually doing the math, and I'm figuring, okay, so I've got, if I leave on my 18th birthday, I've got uh, another 24 years to live my life, and then I'll deal with the consequences when Christ returns in the year 2000.
4: Wow. Because I was
0: convinced I was going to go to hell, but what it boiled down to and I is that I um, that place was so violent and was so dangerous to me and I had become um, convinced that um, regardless of whether my father was right that I wasn't going to be able to say that you know I just didn't have any mm-hmm. place there mm-hmm. so I left believing I was going to go to hell but satisfied that this was the best choice for me that I was going to go out and live my own life for as long as I could and then I would deal with those eternal consequences when they came so uh, and that didn't change for years because I kind of turned my back on all of that and avoided it like the plague (laughs) and then after my kids were born first of all the the fact that I was able able to have kids was was a miracle to me because he had taught us you know that was one of the threads running through his message throughout our childhood that that uh, those who were in God's favor were blessed with children that's why he had so many kids, because he believed it was a blessing from God. So so when my wife uh, became pregnant right after we got married, um, I, was, I was satisfied. I mean, I didn't see an outcome other than she was going to lose that baby. And then we were going to have to deal with that because I wasn't going to be able to have kids. So then we had our first son. And then 18 months later, we had twins. Aww. And all of that kind of came together to create the um, psychic environment I guess the best way to put it in my head um, where all that stuff started getting stirred up mm-hmm. and I had to finally start confronting it and it was it was pretty intense wow. because you have you go into a completely different area when you have kids emotionally right it's it was um you know I, the way I say it it was it the feelings that I had never experienced before in my life and they were intense, you know, when people talk about spiritual I look back on on the birth of my children as, as a spiritual experience it was that profound emotionally mm-hmm. and so then you start asking questions well, you know, if, if this is normal if these kind of powerful feelings and motivations to protect and to love and to, to cherish and to care for if those are normal, then what happened back here when I was growing up, why weren't those emotions there, and what was wrong, you know, and then you turn it back on yourself, what yeah. was wrong with you, yeah. why wasn't that? Yeah. Okay. Uh, why you know, why didn't I experience that? So, so that, that's kind of what I um, attribute that to, but bottom line is, it was around that time in my life that I really started asking a lot of questions, and started kind of falling into a hole emotionally. So I went into counseling, and I deliberately found a a um, guy who had a degree in psychology and a degree in theology he had gone to, I think it was Dallas Theological Seminary I spent about um, better part of two years working with him and he basically, the way he put it is he put me through a a two year um, theology degree program as far as all the books he had me reading and the conversations we're having so it was a very interesting experience that part of it because I was able to start looking at some of the, the actual theology that my dad talked. But one of the things you got to understand about my father is he's very persuasive.
2: Yeah. In this yeah.
0: in this speech, right? He could make the case, um, and and that was his power ultimately. That's you know because he did such a good job of of making the case that everything else paled as far as the arguments that were out there, right? So, I, but that. That process with that um, psychologist was to um, start dismantling some of that, weakening it, if you will, the effects that it had on me. But one of the bigger uh, outcomes of that process for me was that, that first seed in my mind that, well, no, wait a minute, really all this amounts to is just another version as good as this guy was at, at um, providing the information, it was just another version of an idea that that uh, there's really no foundational basis for even holding. You see the point I'm trying to make there? It was like, okay, so he had one version of Christianity, this guy has another one. I'm all, all of them are convinced that theirs is exactly the right one. But there's no basis for any of them claiming that they have absolute truth. So that was one of the effects of that, uh, when I the time I spent with him. Uh, and then I, I walked or stepped back from that uh, and spent some more time going to church and trying to find the you know the the kinder gentler God of, of mainstream Christianity yeah. and just kept getting more and more depressed <laughs> so so I went back uh, to another counselor and, and he, he uh, focused more on the on the physical violence and and the the uh, psychological violence growing up there and and I ended up going into a, a mental hospital for a couple of weeks and that was an interesting experience yeah. so anyway all of that I you know I, I went through this process and uh, somewhere along the way uh, gave myself permission to uh, have my own thoughts and my own ideas about all of these matters, right? So, mm-hmm. and that was the big challenge because your whole, my whole life, I was basically deferring to what uh, my father said was true.
3: Mm-hmm. You know was
0: so That was the that was the tipping point, I think, when I finally found my own voice and and uh, gave myself permission to believe what I wanted to.
7: Yeah, you were never you were never allowed to think for
3: yourself.
0: That's exactly right.
3: Wow. You know, you, you were talking about your father being a charismatic figure and all that. Uh, let's do a, a quick detour here for the Westboro Baptist Church itself. Uh, for a lot of people that look on the outside, it seemed more like a, a, a very, um, based on, on the, in the Phelps family itself, how, how big is the church? I mean, how, how did he attract, did he have adherence outside the family, and how did they attract them? Was it charismatic, or was it simply fear?
0: Well, like I said, there were two other families that were going to the church the majority of the time, if not all the time that I was there. Um, and because I was on the outside, you know, once you leave there, of course, you're cut off and ostracized, and so I was um, I was only able to cobble together information like that, you know, from bits and pieces of information that I would get. Um, from what I understand, if you just look at at my immediate family and then you know their offspring, um, they're upwards of about seventy, and then I would say, I mean, they were claiming about a hundred when they were at their their peak, <laughs> and that's that's possible. I mean, when I would I sat down at one point and I tried to, you know, to make a list and figure it out, and I think a hundred was was a fairly reasonable. They they tend to. Um, exaggerate so maybe 90. But then over the years of their of their campaign between their own efforts to uh, control the situation, they, they kicked several people out because they weren't they either weren't putting enough effort into the, the pickets or they were um, a little too inclined to uh, violence if someone said or did something they didn't like on the picket line. So, so they they got rid of a few of the members that way and then as uh, my nieces and nephews came of age there was a what I would consider a mass exodus <laughs> um, so now I would say they're down to maybe 50 and the vast majority of them are, are uh, nine of my siblings and their you know and their kids or their grandkids
3: Uh Nate, I, I want to go back to the. Uh, can you explain to our audience the night you decided to leave and your exodus, for lack of a better term.
0: Yeah. Okay. So so my oldest my older brother Mark uh, had left when I was about. Uh, I, I I want to say I was close to sixteen, and like I said, you know, several others had left before, but they came back. Uh, but when Mark left, he stayed gone in spite of my father's efforts to get him back so it was the first time that i actually had uh, experienced uh, that you know that reality that someone could actually go and and uh, and stay gone and and be out of the influence of that man so i started playing around with the idea and sometime i think it it was in my 17th year I made the decision that I was going to leave. But uh, also around that time, my uh, older sister, my oldest sister, Kathy, had run away, but she was only 17. And so he found out where she was working and then where she was living. And one night we came home. We we used to sell candy every night after school. So we came home from candy sales. And he said... uh, you know, he had us all piled back into two two cars and we drove over to her house and, and as we pulled up there the there was a guy sitting out in front of her house uh, and as it turned out he was there to take her out on a date and we we pulled this kind of starsky and hutch move where we you know pulled one of the cars at an angle in front of his car so he couldn't move and then pulled the other one in behind him and then we all jump out of the, the car and we rush up and we force Kathy back into one of the cars, and we take her home. And uh, we had this big uh, pompous meeting, and and uh, the old man pretended like he got the permission of everybody else. And then we locked her up in a, a room upstairs, and he forced her to fast for I don't remember how long that particular fast was, but it was three or four weeks. Yeah. And uh, he would periodically go up there and you know confront her whatever was eaten at him at the time. And it would turn into a violent beating. And so the lesson was learned. And I realized that if I was going to leave, I wasn't going to do it prior to um, when I could stay gone legally. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I started planning. There was a a, um, security guard at our high school and he had an old Nash Rambler for sale for 300 bucks. So I, saved up my money and bought that and and secreted it away so nobody knew I had it. And then uh, on the night of my 18th birthday, I waited until everybody had gone to sleep and I walked the, the two or three blocks to where the car was and I drove it. And I had, had over the last week or two, had packed all my stuff in boxes. So I backed the car into the driveway and opened the garage door and loaded the trunk up with my few belongings. And then... I still had about an hour and a half left, uh, so I went back in the house, and um, and I should should pause here to, to tell you that we actually lived. The building that we lived in was was also the church building, so there was the sanctuary, and then my father's law office was attached to uh, one side of the of the sanctuary, and then our house wrapped around the other side and the back of the. Of the church and then there was living quarters upstairs as well so i was standing i basically went back into the living room or the dining room and there were stairs that led up to his room and then over to the left of those stairs was a bank of refrigerators and freezers and uh there was an old red clock that was on the wall up above those so i stood there and, and, and watched the clock rise and uh And when it hit midnight, I turned around and walked out the back door and and got in the car and and drove away. I spent the first three nights, I had uh, befriended a guy who owned a gas station that was near the high school that I went to, and I told him what my plans were, and and, uh, so he gave me a key to the gas station and told me I had to stay in the bathroom, and the way it was situated, I couldn't leave the bathroom because there were all glass, you know, the whole front of the, of the place was glass and it'd be too easy for the police to see me in there. So I slept in the bathroom there for three nights until um, my um, brother's mother-in-law found out about it. And so she took me in and let me live in her uh, attic until I got situated and got a job. So that was, that was how that happened.
3: Wow! What,
6: what is... Oh, you what a know,
3: usually the show is just fairly lighthearted, but this is, yeah. this be, is serious stuff. This has got to be one of the most emotional shows we've done. Uh, oh my gosh! Nate, yeah. af- after you left there and you decided to make a life of your own, and uh, you you eventually moved to Canada, right?
0: Yeah, I moved up here in two thousand and late two
4: thousand and five. Um, Best decision Granburg, you ever actually. made. <laughs> What's that? I said, best decision you ever made.
0: (laughs) Right? (laughs) Well, I moved to, I was in Southern California. Um, When I left there, I was, I I fiddled around in the Midwest for about five years. And then I ended up moving to Southern California in in, uh, 1981. And so I was there for 25 years and and worked with my older brother. And uh, we had a chain of print shops there. So that was, uh, that was the lion's share of my um, adult life was there in Southern California, and that's where I met my wife and raised a family.
3: So, before so, I so, moved up here. So, so now that you're uh, you're up here and you have a whole different life, is there? A, do you still have contact with much of? Besides your older brother, you still uh, have a, a lot of contact with some of your siblings or nephew, nieces, and stuff. They come and
0: talk to Uncle well, Nate. Yeah, I mean, Mark and I, like I said, we worked together for years. He and I have a very good relationship. He's living now down in uh, in Phoenix, and we talk regularly. And then one of my younger sisters uh, left, you know, years after we did. And uh, she's the only other one, so it's just the three of us who left and stayed gone. And uh, Dorothy and I have a pretty good relationship. It's just not we're not as close as because of the geography and the and the uh, the age difference. So, but yeah, we have a good relationship, and and a few of my nieces and nephews I I do talk to, a lot of them. See, what the other thing you got to remember is that that you know one of my father's strategies was like I said he was all the time um, talking about the the more sinful people in the world, Mm -hmm. and I know that when my brother Mark left, suddenly he was the hot topic, and he was always the example that my father would use behind the pulpit for. what would happen to you if you left and you know the um, like Mark got involved in some kind of fringe religious group and and so that was a, a fodder for my father's uh, sermons a lot uh, so I know that when I left that I I became that one of those figures as well and then of course when I started speaking out against what they were doing that, that just ramped up so a lot of my nieces and nephews when they left <clears throat> as, as all of us did we had our own reasons when we left right but because of that that ideology that we're we're um, raised in we're still very skeptical of everyone else so it's it's kind of this yeah I know that I left for a good reason but I'm not so sure about everybody else you know they might still be evil like the rest of the world right so there's a real coolness between me and most of my nieces and nephews when they first leave and so it takes a long time if ever for me to form a relationship with them, yeah,
4: because like unlike your siblings, <laughs> your kid, the your nieces, nephews never would have had a relationship with you before you left.
0: That's right. Yeah, no, my they did a very good job, and we and we understood that when we were growing up there that if we left, we were cut off. There, there was no communication, no interaction, and if anybody tried to, uh, then they they were it was clear that they would be kicked out as well, right? So it was it was a very effective system of ostracizing
5: well, whatever if, if someone comes from from an abusive religious background and they are as courageous as you are to take that step what is the, the what is the best kind of support that that people might need um, to help them on that that journey and to leave that behind and to have a, a, a better, you know, more, more compassionate, more loving, you know, existence and not have the nightmares that they did. Or just people who come from a, another religion and are reluctant to, um, you know, to go out in the world because they are skeptical of what they might find. What, what support systems work, in, in your opinion, what do you think works the best?
0: yeah boy, that that's a
5: that's a really big question
0: <laughs> It's huge and and it, I mean, there's so many pieces to that. Yeah. First thing I'd like to say is that when I, when we were growing up, when my generation was growing up, there was no other voice out there. You, the only time you even heard about atheists was from Christian preachers vilifying them, right? There wasn't anybody out there who was saying, "Hey, look over here, guys." Of course, you know you had the Madeleine Murray O'Hara, but she was Satan incarnate. <laughs>
2: you
0: know, they, they were. You just wouldn't even consider having anything to do with them. So, um, the very fact that the internet exists and that there's a, there are voices out there today is huge for those people who are coming away from those kind of environments, because there's a lot of information out there now. That's one positive thing, but that's not really. Connection and personal relationship, uh, and that's one of the reasons why when I was running CFI in Calgary, that that was my primary pushes. Just because we leave organized religion doesn't mean we we stop being humans and needing rituals and needing uh, communion and interaction with other you know with like-minded people. So I I've pushed for that all along. Um, and I think that's a huge part of it. Those regular meetings that, that we had, either as you know movie night or as uh, you know skeptics in the pub or whatever, those were huge for me. Being able to uh, process stuff that I, you know was going through my mind as I was um, taking steps further away from from that uh, environment that I had grown up in, and then of course we've started started seeing organizations cropping up like recovering from religion which i was on the board of for about three years i think that's a huge resource that that's people get personal contact and have intimate conversations yeah. on some of these topics with people who are trained to um, listen and to ask the right questions and just give them uh, a sounding board right uh, and then there's there's also this whole area of um, you know, the psychological damage that religious, you know, people that suffer, that grow up in those kind of extreme religious groups. And there, there is a, a, a new field of psychology that, that is developing science and material that helps us understand better exactly the effects of, of growing up in those kind of environments. So mm-hmm. there's a few of those popping up. Um, there's one I can think of on the East Coast, um... And those groups are invaluable, in my mind, to help people deal with some of the, the psychological damage that was done to them.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, Nate, uh, i I got to ask, uh, now that uh, your father passed away a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, I, I don't want to get too personal. You don't have to answer this if you don't want to, obviously. But uh, how are your feelings about the man?
0: Yeah, (laughs) you know what? It 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 is. I got that question almost constantly right after he passed away, and it's it's one of those areas, like so many other areas, where where I'm torn. I you know I feel uh, at times that there's something wrong with me because I'm not feeling more emotions about it, and there's times when I feel very strong emotions about it. But none of them. I I mean, I guess the best way to say you guys is. 45 years away from someone. You know, they're basically strangers at that point, right? So it's hard for me to um, conjure up. And I don't think that that's even the the purpose of emotion. You're not supposed to conjure up emotions, right? But it feels like that that's that's the only way I can get any kind of of, uh, feelings on the subject is if I sit and think about it um it just wasn't any really powerful you know i had a lot of people saying oh he's still his father but really mm-hmm. after that much time it isn't you know i mean there was to me it's it's about uh, relationships and connections yeah, exactly. and if you don't have that yeah. with someone it's hard to feel strong emotions I, I mean what i talked about right after he passed was this I- idea that um that uh it was disturbing to think that, that that kind of mind and that kind of capacity had been wasted to the extent that it was. At, at, even not so much wasted as, as as being as destructive as it was, right? I mean, he could have done so much good in the world. And it was just the opposite. He it was, it was counterproductive and he was terribly destructive to so many people. So um, I had emotions about that, you know, regrets that uh, for the person that he could have been But no, I don't, you know, I've had, I have much stronger emotions for people who aren't um, connected to me by blood that I've had relationships with over the years, right?
3: Nate, your story is certainly one of courage and it's certainly one of incredible inspiration and I thank you so much for it. Uh, but let's finish just on a, a bit more positive note
4: how when, do you like Canada no, <laughs> <laughs> when,
3: when you're looking at the future of atheism and maybe the future of the Westboro Baptist Church uh, what what words of wisdom would you give to somebody out there that's having a hard time coming out of their uh, coming to their apostasy in a way
0: well I, I don't know about I mean I think that it's each journey away from, uh, from religion is, is very unique and it's very very private the thought that occurs to me when I think about my my family and that church is that the same thing that I said early on when I first started talking about it is these people are, have fabricated and manufactured a, a system of belief that has them uh, uniquely positioned to uh, do the Lord's work in this place and time and they put all of this emotion and this effort into uh, maintaining that system. and I, I remember saying in an interview years ago that the sad thing is is there the, the years will pass and all of these people are going to die and this is going to go away. And the only thing left standing consistently in, in, in the world is those actions and those deeds that uh, were loving and supportive and constructive. other humans so I don't know if I said that very eloquently but that's that's the thought that comes to mind. I think
6: you did say it very eloquently. Yes
3: absolutely I I absolutely concur. Nate I I can't thank you enough for your eloquence and your grace in this interview and I sure hope our audience can take the lessons there and apply it to their whatever situations they're in but before I let you go I gotta have you say hi I'm Nate Phelps and I took a left at the valley.
0: Hi I'm Nate Phelps and I took a left at the valley.
2: And that was,
3: what can I say, Mr., absolutely Mr. Nate Phelps.
5: Oh, wow. What a
3: powerful, powerful story.
5: Absolutely. Probably
3: one of the most powerful interviews we ever had here on the show.
5: It is. When, When you think about some, when you think about Nate being able to overcome that, and you think about, you know so many other people who are trapped in that kind of environment and are unable to make that kind of mm-hmm. transition. But I'm 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 hoping maybe you know there will be a, a, a time when people aren't abused by by religion, mm-hmm. but yeah, they're absolutely. liberated. They're liberated from it.
3: Uh, Nate, I, I, wherever you are, sir, you, you certainly have friends here, and yeah. I salute you. I salute your courage.
2: Absolutely. And
3: I sure hope your story goes on to inspire some more people. What yes. a gentleman, gentlemen, I cannot be... Oh, wow. I'm flabbergasted by this. Anyway, thank you so much for the show, guys.
5: And what a nice guy. A, a top of rock. guy. Hey, what a nice guy.
3: <laughs> and we stole him from the States. He's, <laughs> not, he's ours now. Yeah. <laughs>
4: I wonder if he's an actual citizen now, or if he's... Oh, sure
7: if
6: he's not we'll have to change that
7: Yeah,
4: exactly. like you have to renounce yeah. America no we're joking to we're totally uh, joking
6: he'd be naturalized yeah I think he'd yeah. be naturalized by yeah. now the
4: he nice thing about Canada that. guys is you can be both American and Canadian at the exact same time we have stronger beer we, we do <laughs> and better whiskey
2: thank you much so much for joining
3: whiskey. us on the show today <laughs> guys you can follow us on leftatvalley.com you can follow us on Facebook on Twitter at LETV Podcast send us an email at valley at outlook.com and you can also follow us our little sister show from our friend Tyler, So You Think You're a Skeptic, on Facebook. I always forget to say that. So
4: and <laughs> Then they're like, where the hell is the show?
3: <laughs> it's on Facebook. Uh, coming up next week, we'll do something a bit more low-key. We'll be talking about our own personal apostasy. That should be fun. Mm-hmm. Just a conversation between us.
4: And five hours later.
3: <laughs> exactly. We're done. Christina's story. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, December comes around, and we'll also be talking to the folks at Politico, our friend Ian Bush
2: yeah. coming back, politics,
3: and also the, all the good work she does for BC Humanist. <laughs> on the 16th, for our last interview of the year, we have Thomas Smith. Be still my beating heart. And we'll be coming on the <laughs> show and talking to us about <laughs> all the crazy stuff that goes on in the states, and of course, for the end of the year, we'll also have our Christmas special and our best top 10 best of the year for the 2017.
4: It's going to be a fun month and however many weeks are left in November.
3: Exactly. Oh,
4: and by the way, everybody... Read Harry Potter. Oh,
3: jeez That was a Christina and I'm listening to
4: those of Left of the Valley. Or the new History of Magic book that is illustrated. You it's amazing. It's on an so beautiful. No, you can't do that. No, it's a Harry Potter text book. I don't care It's, it's
6: fantasy.
4: It's,
2: it's in fantasy, in yes. Uh, it's
6: gorgeous, yes, though. Yes, you have to make that disclaimer right at the beginning. Well, yeah. this, this is fantasy. Are, or is it? Go on mute. You've been muted.
1: You've been muted. Ha ha ha. Very
6: easily, he controls
3: the buttons. I (laughs) am God in the show. (laughs) Thank you, guys. Until next time. (laughs)
2: Now,
1: let me take a second. Don't mean it sounds so hateful, but I swear to God, pun intended, I find it disgraceful. The thousands of children are raped by. does his very best to keep it on the hush don't want to affect business he loves money too much we know that they love the kids but how the fuck can we protect them while they planning to molest them we teaching them to respect them thank them fuck that the system is broke down working backwards and the only action of tactic i plan to practice now is to attack them the parties of god's hands are bloodstained millions of murders by believers and they're all in got Let me take a sec, don't mean it sounds so hateful But I swear to God, pun intended, I find it disgraceful That many atheists are told to be quiet You're not alone, speak your mind, time to let it be known I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer An infidel, a heathen, I call it how I see it I say it's ignorance and you just call it faith And unsubstantiated claims, that's something to be ashamed I'm an atheist, atheist, atheist